0: I want you to take your Bibles now, turn with me to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to do something a little weird this morning. That didn't shock you a bit, did it? All right. I had the best message I was working on for y'all. And I think it was Thursday and the Spirit Lord just impressed me and said, don't do that. He impressed on my heart. I want you to open your journal and tell them what I'm doing to you right now. And I thought, How about if I go on vacation and let somebody else preach? I don't want them to know what you're doing to me. He said, good, then this is part of it. Let me explain something to you. He's always dealing with me in my life on something. It might take a few months, but, but when I talk to you in here, that's what he gives me for you. He's always dealing with me usually on something else. And he really impressed on me just tell him what I'm doing with you right now. And so I'm going to do that today. So I'm not preaching to you today. I'm just opening my journal tent. This is what he's talking to me about right now. If you get something good out of it, God bless you. If you get a laugh at my expense, God bless you. <laughs> if you think, man, you need to grow up, God bless you. But I just want to tell you what he's doing. And, and let me tell you something. I'm having the best time of what we're in. We've been in this about three months, right? Two or three months now. And this is what he's dealing with me on. And I just want to share it with you. And if it helps you, it helps you. And if, it, if, it, if you think you should really grow up, then... I'm already resigned. What you can do, fire me. All right, let's go. First Corinthians 13. Uh, The title, I had to put a title on it, but we had to have two titles today because we've got two different types of people here. Here's the title. Time to put your big boy britches on. Now, if you're a girl, do not put big boy britches on. If you're a girl, you need to put big girl britches on. So that's why we've got two titles today. He's been dealing with me about growing up. He said, Brother Brian, you've been a preacher 40 years. How many of you would say, high time? Thank you for being gracious to me. 1 Corinthians 13 11. Watch this great verse. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child when I became a man or when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now, let me tell you how people misread that. When I became a man, God put away childish things for me. Nope. When I became a child, I put away childish things. You understand? All right. How many of you know it talks about acting a certain way because you're a child, but you reach a place in life where you need to stop acting that way because you're not a child anymore. Y'all can say it, can't you? It's clear. Are y'all with me today? Okay. I'm not preaching to you, but I want you to listen to me. All right. It's okay at three months to do certain things. Three months old, chronologically. It's okay to do certain things. If you poop in your breeches and scream when you get hungry and grab all the toys for yourself at three months, I expect that. Cool y'all know this. You've had children. If you're still pooping in your britches at 35, screaming when you get hungry and demanding all the toys be yours, we got a problem, Moose. I expect you to have grown up by 35. Guess where we're headed today. You can understand this, can't you? It talks about growing up. How many of you were born? Let's go simple to start with this. How many of you were born? I can't ask nothing no easier than that. How many of you were born? What did you do after you got born today? You started growing, didn't you? I was at a family reunion one day and an aunt of mine said, you sure had put on a lot of weight, hadn't you? I said, yes, ma'am. I weighed seven pounds when I was born. I've gotten a whole lot bigger than I was to start with. (laughs) Well, it's natural in the natural. When you're born, you start growing. Well, in the kingdom of God, you had to be born again. You have to be born twice. You're born of the spirit. When you're born of the spirit, you should grow up in the Lord and in the spirit. Okay. Now, that's what he means. When I was a child, I just started following Jesus. I acted like a baby believer. But as I matured, I changed. I grew. And this is what we're talking about. I want you to look at the passage that talks about it. I want you to see some words in Ephesians. Turn to the right in your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 4, where the Bible says this. In Ephesians 4, I want you to catch two phrases in here and see the difference. Ephesians 4.13 says this, till we all, what's the word all mean? Got it? That's right. That means all. Till we all come to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of Jesus, a mature man, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should, watch the next four words, no longer be children, no longer be children, tossed to and fro, jacked around by everything going around us. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, we may watch the next two words: grow up. In verse fourteen, you've got this phrase: no longer be children. Verse fifteen it says: grow up. And this is not talking about physical. This is talking about, as you saw in verse thirteen, in Jesus. It's got to grow up in Jesus. I think all of you would agree with me. We all need to grow a little bit. Now I'm not preaching to you today. I'm just thinking. Even even listening, and you can say, yeah, I, I could probably grow up a little bit. All right, let me ask you a question. This stuff about growing up in Jesus, what does it mean to grow up in Jesus or grow up in the faith, grow in the faith? What does it mean? I think we're wrong. You know what most people think it means? To learn more. We'll have Bible study. i will have another Bible study. Why would you have another Bible study? So I can learn more. Is that really the goal, knowledge? Is the goal really knowledge? Let me tell you what this book says. Be not just hearers of the word, but... anybody know the next word. Doers. The goal is not another Bible study. The goal is not to learn. You can have a Ph.D. in Bibleology, theology, and be walking around in adult diapers. That was good right there. What we call, what we're so impressed with, that guy really knows the Bible. Does he live it privately? How does he treat the waitress in the restaurant? How does he talk to his wife when the doors are closed? See, we're so impressed with knowledge. So, oh man, they, they can really sing. Can they keep their mouth shut when they need to? That's good. See, we're so impressed with all these gifts and abilities and knowledge and, oh, positions. I don't do one thing for. When you are seated on the throne of the universe, I don't impress him. What is maturity? What is maturity really in the king? What, it's not. It's not, it's not activity. It's not going to church and being involved in religious stuff. I don't impress him a bit. What am I looking for? Here's grow up. And I began to pray. This has been going on about two or three months. Now, now let me, I'm going to be honest with you. I was pretty good at this stuff, but he's really pressing me. Let's see how good we can get at it. And by the way, there's a treat for those who do this. And I'm going to show you the treat. This is going to surprise you. You may have never seen this before. Right, I began to pray. I said, all right, what is grow up? Take me in your word and let's spend some time. Show me what you call grow up. And he's shown me 10 things that he calls grow up, all from Scripture. Here they are. Now, remember, I'm not preaching to you. This is what I'm going through. But you can listen. Number one, when you can do all things without complaining, you have grown up. Brother Brian, that ain't no big deal. It is to him. Philippians 2.13 says, do all things without murmuring and complaining. First Corinthians 11 says this. When you complain, you open your life to the serpents. So might take a wild guess what serpents represent in the Bible. They complain and they were bitten by serpents. I want to make it, I don't know if you notice this or not, in my nation that I love dearly, complaining has replaced baseball as the national pastime. Anybody noticed? We've gotten so good at complaining, we have mastered complaining. My king don't do complaining. And, and so he's, he's working with me on my complaining. And said, so we, we're going to get better about... Compl- I don't complain much, but on occasion I go, what the heck are they doing? Ah, and see, I know Greek. I can say it in Greek. Unus, gas, say amate. What? It don't matter. He's not impressed with that. When he says, do all things without complaining, you say, brother, what does that mean? When somebody asks what that means, you play in games. You know what that means. So, okay, number one, do all things without complaining. I said, uh, all right. I said, dear Holy Spirit, help me and remind me when I start to complain. And he says, oh, count on it, son. So I've been working on it. And you know, you know where he really wants to, I'm not talking about in front of people. I get in front of people and do the ministerial thing. He's talking about all the time. All right. I go in the bathroom not long ago at the church here and uh, I don't know who buys them, but we buy these uh, hand towels that you can read the newspaper through. We buy the thinnest hand towels possible Which means that the children grab them with wet hands and tear them up and there's shredded pieces all over the floor. That's what you get when you buy cheap hand towels. I go in there and there's just a mess all over the floor. And I said, and this time I've gotten so good, the word why didn't even get all the way out. And I said, I I just started singing and I got down there and cleaned the whole mess up. Put them in the can. Amen. (laughs) Now let me tell you something. I am the senior minister here. (laughs) I know I am because I read it on the website. Why is the senior minister cleaning up the bathroom? Call the janitor. I maybe have he was faithful in the little things. Gets promoted. And I went out of there just singing, praising God, having the best time. And as I walked through the door, I heard this little voice in the spirit said, check. I said, oh, that, that was it. All things without complaint. Number two, I got to move quickly here. When... You can in everything give thanks for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. When you can be grateful in everything. Charles Stanley, who's been a pastor for 160 years now, said this. He said, The number one question I've been asked in my ministry is, How do I find the will of God for my life? That's the number one question I've been asked by people. Funny that people ask that because it's the easiest answer in the world. Right, in case you're wondering how you can find the will of God for your life, number one, buy a Bible. Number two, open it to 1 Thessalonians 5.18. You'll find the will of God for your life. Let me just quote it to you. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus that in everything you learn to give thanks. You say, oh, Brother Brown, I mean, should I be a nurse or should I be a cab driver? Let me say it again. Be grateful. God's will for you is to become a grateful person. Nothing reflects the heart of God more than somebody who is grateful all the time. You say, well, you don't know what's going on in my life. You look well fed to me. Look like you had some place to sleep last night to me. Looks to me like you've got a preacher that really loves you. Looks to me like you live in the greatest nation on earth. Looks to me like you. I'm not going to go down the list. Be grateful. And I, listen, I've been really working on this one. I enjoy this. And there's some side benefits to that one too, which is uh, wonderful. Number three. Turn to James chapter 2. I'll probably have to show you this one. James chapter 2. We're impressed when somebody learns a lot. Let me tell you what the king's impressed with. Uh, James chapter 3. James chapter 3 is an entire passage on the tongue. Anybody here got a tongue? Yeah, I knew it. You know what maturity is in the kingdom? Number 3, here's what he told me. When you can bridle your tongue, I see that as maturity. Read this with me. James chapter three, verse two. See if you agree with this. <clears throat> we all stumble in many things. Stop right there. Yeah, your nay? I'm having know we all struggle. I'm probably the head struggler in his kingdom. That's right. He still loves me. The Bible says we all struggle with a lot of things. That's why you need to quit trying to impress people. I read in the Bible that you struggle. There it is. We all struggle with many things, but watch this. We all struggle in a lot of things. If anyone does not stumble in his speech, his word, he is a what? Your Bible might say perfect man. It don't mean sinless perfection. It means mature. What does the Bible call maturity? When you can silence your tongue, when you feel like telling somebody, but you don't do it. That's real maturity. It's not that you can speak Greek. It's when you can keep from speaking. I keep forgetting I ain't preaching you this morning. I don't know why I'm expecting you to amen. Amen. He's really working with me on this. Don't ever let anything come out of your mouth that doesn't build people up. Ephesians 4, 29, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. There was. It was so easy. I really mastered Greek. I'm good at Greek. I've I've got a great memory. It's easier for me to learn the Bible. I've almost memorized the book of Hezekiah. (laughs) So you didn't know that was in the Bible. I'm sorry. This stuff came easy to me. You know what has been a little tougher for me? keeping my mouth shut when I felt like socking it to him. You said, what kind of preacher are you? All right, pray for me. Pray for me. We're working on this. But you know what? I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better when I can smile on the outside while I'm cooking on the inside. Are you with me? Uh-huh. Hey, to him, this is a big deal. Material Number four, when it's not all about me anymore, I have grown up. When it's not all about me first corinthians 13 11 said when i was this i was like this but when i got here i was like this i want you to get, let me give you the three levels of life in the kingdom here they are this is first john 2 12 where the bible said this i've written to you little children your sins are forgiven i've written to you young men because you're getting stronger the word of god's in you and you're kicking the devil's rear end i think it said actually overcome the evil one but that's my version So you got little children, young men. What's the next one? Not old men, not old men. I've written to you fathers. I've written to you fathers because you have really gotten to know the father. See the three levels of faith there? Little child, young man, father. What's the difference in a little child and a father? You know, a father's a grown-up one. What's the difference in those two? One thing, same DNA, everything's the same. What's the difference? When I was five, six, seven, eight years old, I might not have been a bad kid, but it was all about me. I want to go play. I want this. And then when I became a young man, uh, I'm going to put it at 18 years old, Well, 17 years old. uh, I was a little better at it. I'd quit pooping in my britches by 17. I didn't scream when I was hungry. I just went and got me something to eat. But when I was 17, it was still all about me. I worked in a gas station, spent all my money on me. I, uh, I was always looking, well, how can I have fun? I was chasing young ladies and And uh, I guess you'd call them that. I was chasing young ladies and I was wanting, you know, it was all about me. But the day I became a father, things changed in my life. I didn't get to spend all my money on me anymore. I didn't want to. When uh, middle of the night that baby cried and I had to choose between me getting my sleep and that baby being taken care of, guess what? It wasn't all about me anymore. To grow up is when you can say it's not all about me. It's when you can go in a, a, a restaurant And it ain't about your food being perfect. It's about what's going on in that waitress's life right now. What if she's a single mama trying to raise children? It ain't about my steak being perfect because it ain't all about me anymore. Growing up is not having a position. It's when you start looking at other people around you. Don't say amen because I'm not preaching to you. Number four is growing up when you get there. All right, number five. When you can walk by faith and not by sight. When you can start walking by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 517 says this, we want to reach a place where we live by faith and not by sight. You know what that means? I don't care how I feel. This is what I'm going to do based on God's word. I don't care what other people are doing. This is what I'm going to do based on God's word. I don't care whether I can figure it out or not. Faith is this man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It is a wonderful day when your emotions don't drive your life anymore. You know what counseling is? You know what counseling is? It's where people sit in there and say, I just feel, I just feel, I just feel. This is why I don't counsel because my only answer is quit feeling yourself. <laughs> quit feeling yourself. There's nothing wrong with emotions. I've got a few, believe it or not. There's something dreadfully wrong with letting them guide your life. Emotions will take you over the waterfall. Your intellect will take you over the waterfall. The crowd will take you over the waterfall. God's word will carry you to the best life possible. And you mature when you say, I don't give a rip how I feel. I don't care where they're going. I've decided to follow Jesus. Whatever he says, I'm going to do it. All right, number six. Let's put away maturity is when you can put away your anger. Anger. My nation right now is driven by what's the greatest motivator in our nation right now? Anger. The Bible teaches that Satan, his outstanding trait is what? Not evil, not lust, not, not even pride got him kicked out of heaven. But what is the outstanding trait of Satan right now in Revelation 12? He is furious. He is so angry because he knows what's coming and he motivates with anger. Anger is what's driving this nation right now. Let me tell you about anger. Anger is one of the greatest motivators in the world. I guarantee you I can raise money with anger. I can get you jacked up about something and get you mad about what they're doing and I can drain your wallet with it. You can round a crowd up and they can crusade out of anger. That's what this book says, James chapter one. God never uses anger to serve his purpose. The wrath of man never works the righteousness of God. He never motivates with anger. And our enemy has loosed anger in the land to cause us to be destructive. All right. right, when you can say, I'm going to put away my anger and I'm not going to be angry anymore. I want you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, which is the other passage on growing up. I said one time, sort of got in trouble, but I said, if you're angry, you're wrong. And people tried to defend it, but I just opened the Bible and said, what's that say right there? And said, you know what? God's right. By the way, He does you a great favor if you get rid of anger. You say, Brother I can't help it. Now let me clarify something here. It is not wrong to be angry. There's nothing wrong with feeling it. If you don't feel some anger over some things that are going on in this land, your brain dead or heart dead or something dead. There's nothing wrong with being angry. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Ephesians 4, be angry. What's the rest of that verse say? Be angry, but sin not. What does that mean? I don't, there's nothing wrong with being angry. Don't act out of it. And what's the next verse say? Do not let the sun go down on your anger which means don't carry that for two days. Listen to me. How many people are angry over something that happened yesterday, 10 years ago in their marriage, 20 years ago in their childhood, 150 years ago in this nation? The Bible said, be angry, but do not sin. Anger should never last two days. Get rid of it. Uh, so you, you ain't going to tell me that. Look, look right here. Look at me. My buddy Everett at the BP station down at the Arrowhead BP has it written on the wall anger is drinking poison hoping it'll hurt somebody else if I take your anger away from you I hope I don't I hope I don't make you mad if I take your anger away I'm doing you a favor I'm saving your life matter of fact uh, Billy and Ruth Graham were being interviewed one time about the secret to being married 50 years and Ruth very serious, she said well we made a commitment in the early years we would never go to bed mad with one another and she said we've done it Billy laughed and said tell them how many times we've stayed awake three days in a row But they took very serious. We are not gonna let anger lay in this marriage. We're gonna get rid of it. I've started treating anger like anger like I would a rattlesnake. It has the same effect. I'm hunting, I bow hunting into U Harriers one time and uh, just having a grand time and I'm walking along, had my bow in here, and I'm walking on a the trail there, and I've started to put I put almost I put my foot down and there was about a five foot timber rattlesnake right under where I was gonna put my foot down there. The funniest feeling comes over you when you see that. I don't know if you remember. This has been a long time ago. There was a popular song out, White Men Can't Jump. Y'all remember that? (laughs) One did that day, buddy. I'm telling you, I went into orbit. when I Just something came over me when I saw that thing. I don't mind regular snakes, like non-poisonous. I'm sitting on the front porch of my office last week one day, and a five-plus-foot back snake just called right up to me, right there, and just sat there and looked at me. And I just said, where'd you come from, little fella? And then he tried to get up on the porch with me. And I, just, I said, no, go on around there. He, I said, kept going, finally went on. They don't bother me. Them that can kill you bother me. <laughs> Anger has the same power. He scared me so bad, I shot him five times <laughs> with my pistol. I know if you're a game warden, you're not supposed to scare a pistol when you bow it. I know, I know. And then I beat him with a stick for a while to make sure. And then I cut his rattlers off. They're sitting on my desk right now. You need to treat anger the same way. Many a marriage has been destroyed because people would not put away their anger. Our nation is going to be destroyed because people will not put away their anger. He never uses it. Maturity is when something can make you so mad that you see makes you so mad and you say, number one, I am not going to say a word. And number two, the sun will not rise tomorrow till I've gotten rid of this. That's maturity. All right, we got to roll along here. Number seven, when you can choose, how many of y'all like the word choose? What's the difference between feel and choose? I don't care how I feel, I can always make a choice. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I keep forgetting I ain't preaching y'all today. When you can choose kindness, humility, patience, and love, no matter how you feel. And you can do that. We're there, we're in Colossians chapter 3. Look at me in verse 12. Therefore, Colossians 3.12, as the chosen people of God, holy and deeply. You see that word beloved. If you was a country preacher, hold it, beloved. Beloved is the Greek word, it means always being loved, or we'd say deeply loved. So I'm chosen by the Father. I'm deeply loved. Put on. What does put on mean? Well, let's just read it. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering. Y'all have heard that word long suffering. Guess what long suffering means? It means you're going to suffer a long time. What's another word for it? Marriage. I married a little couple last night. I married a little couple last night. And I just stood there and told him, I said, there's sugar and syrup all over the place right now. And y'all got these emotional feelings and y'all all goo goo eyed. They're gonna come a day you could slap him naked. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I said, do it and he, don't do it. But if you do it, get over it. But there's one thing about it. We put in our hand to the plow today. We're not walking back. There's a reason. I said, listen to me, sweetheart. And I pointed her, I said, we're fixing to say better or worse. Guess why I put the word worse in there? He won't always be smiling like that right there. Maturity is when you can suffer a long time and stay there. I said, I ain't having no fun today. You ought to be. I'm not preaching to you today. I'm just telling you what's going on with me. Bearing with one another in love. All right. The Bible talks about all this stuff right here. But I'm going to ask you a question. If I were to say, ask you this question, according to the Bible, what does God Almighty say is the absolute pinnacle of human maturity? What's this, the highest thing you can get to? I mean, what is the mark of you have arrived? What is it? Does anybody know? It's in verse 14. Read this with me in verse 14. Above all these things, if the Bible says above all these things, what does that mean? This is it. Above all these things, put on love, which is the mark of maturity as a believer see we think a guy that's real smart has is really something the father doesn't say that the person who can walk in love has reached the top the mark of maturity is not that you know something first corinthians 13 says this if i could remove mountains of cancer and had all faith and had all knowledge how many of y'all ever met somebody that had all knowledge how many of y'all met somebody thought they's close If I could remove mounds of cancer and I had all faith and all knowledge, but I don't treat my wife with love, I am nothing. See, we're not impressed with that stuff. He says, this is the top of the ladder with me. We're impressed with quoting the Bible. He's impressed with how you treat the guy who delivered that package to you yesterday. I keep forgetting I'm preaching to y'all. When I can choose, and you notice the word, I want you to look with me. Let's go back to, uh, all the way back to 12. Therefore, as the chosen of God beloved, put on. What's the word put on mean? It means you choose to do it whether you feel like it or not. You choose to act in it. Now, let me give you a little help along the way. Let me tell you what i found out. People say, I just can't do that. You look right here. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You'd be surprised what you could do. People say, that's just how I am. No, it's not. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. You've got the new DNA in you. You'd be surprised what you could do if you if you said, "I accept the challenge." I got a lady I like to listen to once. Her name's Joyce Meyer, and uh, she's, good, she's a great Bible teacher. And uh, she's famous for being gifted but immature, according to her. And she said, you know, I could teach like I'm a great, I've got a great gift to teach. She said, but I was so immature, he couldn't use me. And said, the father began to speak to him and he said, let me tell you what we're going to do. You're going to learn how to quit fussing at your husband. I should have gotten some amens out of that. I should have been some amens there. All right. She said, you're going to learn how to quit fussing at your husband. And uh, she said, I can't help it. He said, let me ask you a question. The other day when the pastor to, at your church showed up at y'all's door and you were screaming and mad and hollering, how'd you answer that door? She said, Lord, you're right. Could you imagine that? Lord, you're right. He said, a change came over you when the pastor showed up, didn't it? Said, sugar wouldn't melt in your mouth when the pastor got in there, did it? She said, yeah, I sure did. I was realizing. He, She said, you can treat your husband the same way you do your pastor. I said, imagine, I'm a miracle man. I've done this no few times around here. Uh, not long ago, I was walking through a hall and I heard this lady, she was chewing her husband's fanny for a fair you well. I mean, she was socking it to him. And I just sort of leaned back and listened a little bit because I thought it was funny. And then I thought, well, I better rescue poor But I turned the corner. A miracle took place. I mean, pastor, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I thought, I should stick around here and rescue him. And I thought, now I'll just go and let her get back to chewing on him. You know what I've decided? You can do it. I can do it. Let me tell you what I've learned here. Here's the miracle. I've had people say, pray for me. Look look right here. I'm not going to pray for you. He didn't say, get the pastor to pray. He said, put it on. Now, here's the secret. When Jesus told Simon, walk on water, Simon didn't pray about it. He took the first step and then God gave him the power the rest of the way. When Jesus told a man who had a deformed hand, stretch out your hand, I'm even going to stretch out your hand as sort of a task for a guy with a deformed hand. He didn't say, well, pastor, pray for my hand. And Nobody needed to pray for that man. That man said, if he said do it, I'm going to do it. And when he tried to do it, that hand unfolded. Because when God saw that simple act of faith, He said, they took the first step, I'll take the rest of it. When I'm tempted to pop my cap on somebody that's acting like an idiot, that's one of the things we're working on. When I'm tempted to... When I'm tempted to pop my cap on somebody that's acting immature <laughs> and I go, not today, you'd be surprised what takes over. If you'll take the first step, guess who will jump in there with you? You don't need to pray. Do what the man told you to do and see if he don't get in there with you. Choose kindness. All right, number eight. You'll, you'll re- if these have not blessed you, this one will bless you. You have matured when you decide, I am never going to worry about anything the rest of my life. I will never worry again. When you make up your mind, I am done worrying. I'm over with it. You say, brother Brian, you can't help but worry. There you go again. Now you're worried about worrying, aren't you? <laughs> Listen to what this book says. Philippians 4.4. 4. Rejoice in the Lord. 4.6 says this. Don't ever worry about anything can I make an announcement? I decided years ago to take him serious and stop worrying. Guess what I found? It is a blessing not to worry. I'd rather enjoy my life. Worrying is a fun sucker. We're going to suck the life out of you. Now let me, I'm going to be honest. I'm just being vulnerable today. I've had to quit a lot of stuff since I started following Jesus. I had to give up cocaine. Heroin was never a problem. I shot it up a time or two, but that was not a big deal with me. Cocaine was fun. I had to give up cocaine. It wasn't always easy. I had to give up drinking. I've had to give up a lot of stuff since I started following Jesus. The hardest habit I ever broke was the habit of worrying. Hardest habit I ever broke. But I've never had anything that blessed me more than reaching a place where I had a carefree life. Once in a while, I get tempted to get back into it. And I say, now there you go again. And you know what's so hard? If, if you give up drugs, people in the church are cheer for you. If you'll quit acting like a drunk... I almost said eat it again. This stuff takes time. If you'll quit at being drunk, the folks in the church will cheer for you. Quit stealing other people's wives, they'll think that's wonderful. You just want to say, you quit worrying, they'll think you're irresponsible. Guess what? I ain't worrying about that neither. His eye is on the sparrow. He sets up all night. Why should I? He told me to cast all my cares on him. I heard about a fellow one time, and he had the gift of worrying. Now, my mom and my grandma, they were world champion warriors. I guess I inherited it. He had the gift. Of, he, was, he was just known for worrying. He irritated people at work. So one day he came to work, and he didn't have a care in this world. You could not worry him. This went on for two or three days, and the people that worked around him were just talking. He said, what, what do you think happened to him? Finally, one of them got the nerve and asked him, said, uh, you've changed some, what what happened? He said, you you don't, nothing bothers you anymore. He said, well, I saw an ad in a magazine. There's been a long time ago, not the internet magazine. And it was for a company called Worry Warts, Worry Warts Incorporated. And he said, they got this offer where they do all your worrying for you. He said, and I had been told that I have a problem and I thought, well, I'll just sign up. And so they give you these little slips of paper And when you have something to worry about, you just write it down and send it to them. It'd be on the internet now. You just write it down and and they worry for you. You don't have to worry no more. He said, it's the best thing ever happened to me. He said, my life is just so much better. And they looked at me and said, "Uh, how much does this cost? He said, $400 a month. And his buddy asked him, how are you going to afford that? He said, I'll let them worry about that. I, now listen, I want to be serious for a second. Do you have any idea what your life would be like if you turned all your concerns over Him and you never worried again long stay of your life? He's not stealing from you. He's blessing you when He says, don't ever worry about anything. Matter of fact, I sort of enjoy it. Maturity is when you cannot worry about anything. You know, I've always wondered about preachers. I've always wondered, I wonder if they live what they preach. I just got this thing about that. Well, my beloved brother, Paul the Apostle, wrote... <clears throat> Don't ever worry about anything. Of course, the Lord told him to write. It. That's Philippians four six. And I wonder—wonder wonder if he lived that in private. I maybe think he lived that in private. If you want to, if you want to find out, sometime you—I'll just quote to you, Acts chapter sixteen. He is arrested. He's lied about. He's arrested unjustly. He is beaten in public thirty-nine times with a bamboo rod. He is hamburger on his back now. He's thrown into prison. His feet are in stocks. He's sitting in raw sewage on a stone floor. And he's done nothing wrong. The next verse, verse 25 says this. And at midnight, he was praying and singing hymns of thanksgiving to God. So you know what that tells me? That man practiced what he preached. Instead of being bitter and angry and worried about what he'd done and worried about his, he just sat there and just decided, praise God, I'll just praise the Lord. I thought that was a pretty good life right there. Probably the reason that the prison doors flew open and he was freed had something to do with it. All right, i got to hustle here. Number nine, you can rejoice always. Number nine, verse four, Philippians chapter four says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I always wondered why the Lord said this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say to you, rejoice. How many of you ever had to tell your children something twice? I always wonder why he said it Twice. But I'm going to tell you something. Real maturity, which is a great place of faith, is when you're not like this. You know what the Bible describes that? James chapter 1. He's like a man who is driven by the seas, the winds, and tossed. You get kicked all over the place. One day you're happy. One day you're sad. One day you're up. One day you're down. Maturity is when you say, I don't give a rip how I feel. I'm going to rejoice and celebrate. These feet right here never get out of the bed every morning until I tell them, till I tell myself, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. I have good days around me. I have rough days around me. I don't care. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord and celebrate. I suppose I've been in hell by now anyway. Tell me what a bad day is up here. I'm doing pretty good. And rejo- just to rejoice always. <clears throat> Are you mature to the point yet where you can rejoice when you don't feel like it? that's good. Let me tell you what I've learned from an old Studebaker truck. If you'll go ahead and start, you'll jump start it. There's times when it's so I'm just going to be honest. There's times when it's so easy for me to sing. His eye is on the sparrow. Yeah. And I know he, I just, I just feel it. I feel like heaven. I just sing. There's times I'll sing it like this. His eye is on the sparrow. I don't feel nothing. I walk by faith, not by feeling. Yay. I'm going to rejoice whether I feel it or not. I... Turn the camera off a minute. <laughs> I think it pisses the devil off so bad when you can celebrate when you don't feel like it. Amen. That would probably do something to the foot. You didn't turn it off, did you? <laughs> Never mind. Last of all, <laughs> last of all, just one more for fun. You are mature when you reach a place where you can no longer be offended. Yes. Maturity is when you can no longer be offended. And you do not get into the sin of self-pity. Maturity is when you're no longer offended. Can't, nothing can do anybody to offend you. You may feel something, but you're not offended. Well, I'm right there in Ephesians. Let me just finish All of Ephesians chapter 4 is the passage on. Here's what it means to grow up. <clears throat> Ephesians 4.31, let all. Guess what the word all means? I just wondered bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted. What's these words? Forgiving one another, even as God forgave you. Look right there. Forgiving one another, even as God forgave you. You are not gonna offend me. I'm gonna turn the other cheek. And I made up my mind, ain't nothing anybody can do that's going to hack me off anymore. Now, I may feel something, but I'm going to say, get thee behind me, you don't owe me a dime. Well, guess what happens when your father starts teaching you things and you start saying, I see it, I see it. Guess what he says to Gabriel? Take him out and let him practice a little bit now. Let's make sure. He puts you in what we call the laboratory. (laughs) These 10 things are things he's working with me on right now. I'll be honest, I was pretty good with them to start with. I'm a preacher. You can't be cussing in public. Bad folks will know it and tell on you. And, uh, but I want to perfect these things. I want to really get mature. And so he's helping me. He puts me in a laboratory. Every old woman in the county gets in front of me driving now. <laughs> While I'm at it, let me point something out. Get in the right lane where you belong. The left lane's mine. I, I'm sorry. Still working on it. All right. Now, I said all that to say what I'm fixing to say now. Why should I do this? Why should we do this? You said, Brother Brian, the Bible says too. You missed it. You missed it. You know why I'm going to do this? Now, I'm going to show you something you've probably never seen before. I want you to turn with me in the Scriptures to the why. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4 says this. And you may have never seen this before. You know what I call all these little things I've been talking about here? These are just the little things. This is the little stuff. The Bible said the little foxes spoil the vine. When people divorce, after I'm somebody asked me the other day, I've married 378 couples. I said, what's your record? I'm in the 90 plus percentile range, but I've married folks that divorced. And when I go digging around, why did y'all split up? Let me tell you what I find. It wasn't a big issue. Little stuff started it. Little stuff. Little things create big problems. Let me tell you why we should... Let me tell you the great blessing of this thing. And this is a sort of a mystery verse, but he's showing it to me. Galatians chapter 4 verse 1 says this. Now this I say that the heir, as long as he is a child... See the word child? Does not differ at all from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. There's the mystery. See if you can understand this. Here's a man. He's very wealthy, multimillionaire. He owns numerous businesses. He has a son. He has one son. He loves that boy. What's that man's dream? I've had friends like this. What's his dream? My son's gonna grow up. He's gonna get into business with me. And one day I'll get to give this business to my son and he'll run it. That's a lot of men's dream right there. Question Does he love that son the day he's born? Yeah. Does he feed that son? Does he protect him? Does he hand him the keys to that business at three years old? Why not? He ain't ready yet. Can't hand it to him at 10, can he? And I've known a few cases where he never could give him the business because the boy never grew up. One of the boys I lived with in high school and went to college together, his daddy owned a large business in Charlotte. I mean, it was very successful. And he just, he just knew when I get out of school, I'm going to go to work in my dad's business and one day it's going to be mine. And he was proud of that. He's a little on what we would call the privilege side. Are you with me? And he was proud of it. And you talk about surprise right after he graduated from college, his daddy smiled at him and said, son, I'm selling this business. Me and your mama are going to go enjoy our lives. You need to get a job. I hope you do well. Come see me at Thanksgiving. (laughs) He had to go find a job. I know what happened is daddy saw I can never hand him this thing because he has never grown up. Why does the Bible say this right here? Listen to me. Everything God has you got it the day you trusted Jesus. Everything. You say, where is it at? The heir is treated no different from a slave as long as he acts like a child. He's the only, he owns everything, but he doesn't have it yet. All right, how do you treat a slave in that day? How do they treat slaves? Not like we treated them in America. How do you treat them in that day? But everything I see in the Bible, you loved your servants. They were loved, they were fed, they were clothed, and they were sheltered, but you did not give them the keys to the farm got it? Here's the deal. When you grow up in the little things, he will make you the ruler over the big things. I want you to look at this with me. And this is, I've I've got so many cases where big stuff just was given to me over that. You mean that got this? Let's look at that. Turn with me to Luke chapter 16. In Luke chapter 16, why are you turning no, no, I don't mean Luke chapter 16. Yeah, Luke 16. Why you turn? One of the funniest verses in the Bible to me is in Luke 15. Now you go to 16. In Luke 16 is the parable of the prodigal son when the son said to his father, you have never even given me a goat. Remember this? You never even gave me a goat to make merry with my friends. What did the father say to him in the next verse? Son, everything I've got yours. Everything the father had was his, but he didn't know how to access anything. All right, Luke chapter 16, I want you, this, I'm fixing to show you a principle in God's kingdom and how he works in your life. Luke 16 verse 10 says this, follow this with me. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in the big stuff. He who is unjust in the little things is unjust also in the big things. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the little things, who will hand you the big riches? Got it? What's the kingdom principle? If you can't manage how you talk to the waitress, why would he make you the ruler over big stuff? Till we get to where we can handle the little things, we can't manage the big stuff, guys. A friend of mine who was a pastor had a businessman in his church in Charlotte, and he said that this businessman was going to hire an executive vice president. They had a guy picked out, flew him into Charlotte. The salary was a quarter media or $250,000 a year of salary. He said, that we, had the, that we wanted the guy. He was gifted. The guy was gifted. He was really good at it. He could make me a lot of money. And he said, we, we met. We'd already decided. I just needed a board vote that afternoon. I took him to lunch, to the K&W. So this tells you my friend is old. Took him to the Canes and Walkers, took him to K&W. And he said, they ate, we ate lunch. Now, this, my, the pastor's telling me what this businessman told him. He said, wait, lunch? He said, uh, we got back in the car. I drove him straight to the airport. He said, what are you doing? He said, get on the plane and go home. I'm not hiring you. He said, I saw that when you went through that line, you put two pats of butter on your plate and you slid your napkin over so she couldn't see them. He said, if you'll steal four cents worth of butter from the k you'll steal a million dollars from my company. And he lost a quarter of a million dollar job over four cents. Because if you can't be faithful in the little things, who's going to hand you the big checks? A preacher asked me one time, he said, why has God blessed you so much in ministry? I said, it's because I'm so well-educated. He blesses people that are (laughs) well-educated. I am not. It's not because I'm smart. It's not because I'm good. I'm telling you why I struggle this morning. So I prayed, I asked myself, and I've had other preachers ask me that. And you know what he told me? He said, it's not about how smart you are it's not about, it's, it's about my son. Listen to me. If you will listen to me. And he pointed to one incident in my life that's given me great promotion. And he pointed back, I was driving a truck and a truck driver. I got bored with preaching. So I drove a truck for five years and I was driving a truck and it was a Friday evening and I was coming from somewhere. Now truckers don't work Monday to Friday. Truckers work from Sunday evening till Friday morning and they're done and I'm driving a truck. It's Friday, and It was 3.30 on a Friday evening. I'm headed back home. I was in Virginia. My boss called at 3.30 and said, I hate to do this to you. And I thought it started to say, I hate for you to do it to me. <laughs> he said, I hate to do this to you. I need for you to swing by such and such. I think it was Richmond uh, plant. And I need for you to pick something up there, bring it to here, and just drop it. Well, it's 3.30. Everybody wanting to get home. I said, I'd be glad to. I had a great boss, matter of fact, he's sitting in here this morning. I said, I'd be glad to. So I swung by there, there's nobody there because trucking, trucking shuts down at lunch on Friday. I pull up this, it was a giant paperware plant, pear, warehouse and plant. I pulled up there, I opened my trailer doors, I backed up there the door, I got out and there's this little stumpy fellow on the dock and I could tell he was mad because I was there. <laughs> I, could, I, could, I mean, if you can smell a bad attitude for you. Okay, I can smell it, sort of like a skunk. I can smell a bad attitude. I, and I said, I need, to, I need to get such and such a load for such and such. And he was mad. He looked at my trailer and said, I ain't loading you. I said, Why not? He said, There's dust on the floor of your trailer. Can I be honest with you? My emotions wanted to say, What the hell did you expect on the floor? That's a truck, Bubba. <laughs> that's what I wanted to say. Turn the camera off for that, too. <laughs> Honestly, that's just what I wanted to say. But let me do what I've learned. I've learned to obey no matter how I feel. And I smiled at him. I said, sir, if you can find me a broom and give me 15 minutes, I'll have that thing so clean you can eat off of it. And I just smiled at him. And he just stared at me. He said, wait right here. And he went and got a broom and brought it behind me. I said, I'll call you in a little bit. I got in there. I caused that. I made dust fly out the back of that thing. It looked like Wile Coyote and a Roadrunner run through there. I shined that trailer out. I went back and I said, Thanks for the broom. I said, It's clean now. He said, Let me get you loaded. He had had a miracle. His attitude changed. He loaded me. It was nice. I signed the BOL and, and got ready to take off. And he said, How long have you been driving a truck? Which being interpreted means you don't act like the rest of them. Now, listen, I left. He was happy. His attitude had changed. I was happy. I wasn't hacked off. I was late, but I was still happy. I got in my truck, I turned on on hymns and went flying down the highway and just had the best time. And he pointed me back to that and he said, he who is faithful in the little things will be made ruler over the big things. Dear ones, promotion doesn't come from the east, the west, or the south. The Bible says the Lord will raise you up. He will give you what you want. Let me show you one more. We're done. Just turn the page. I want you to see the opposite side of it in Matthew 25. Now, Matthew 25. Here's what I hope happens in your life right here. Dear ones, it's it's not about doing it because it's the right thing to do. It's about doing it because there is a prize for people who cooperate. Here's the prize in Matthew 25. I want you to see the treasure. Matthew 25, here it is. Verse 21. His Lord said, y'all got Matthew 25, 21. I want you to see what he's teaching me right now. 21. His Lord said to him, well done, good and what? What? not smart, faithful servant. Watch this. You have been faithful over some little things. I will make you the ruler over some big things. There it is. Dear ones, when you start handling the little things real well and you start paying attention to the little things, attitude, the way you treat people, not being angry, when you start dealing with them little things well, guess what he said he'd do. I'll take you up to the big stuff. Now, dear ones, I want you to hear the heart of God as we close. The heart of God is not holding back anything. You have no idea what he'd love to give you. His son died to give you every blessing in Christ Jesus in this life. You say, where are they at? They're right there. Faithful in the little things. All right, let me give you an example. Uh, I had two girls first. We had two girl, I did, excuse me, I didn't have anybody. My wife had two girls first but I was their dad. Then we had a little boy and I was so excited when a son came because I love the girls because girls will pamper their daddy. Amen. I need somebody to look after me when I get old. And I've loved my girls. And then I had a son because I thought now I got a partner. And I couldn't wait because I loved hunting fish. I couldn't wait for my son to get older. We're going to go hunting and fish. And, uh, and one of the things I want to do, I couldn't wait to buy him a rifle and give him a rifle so we could go hunt together. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if that bothers somebody. But you got to remember, I'm country and I'm old. Someone buy him his own rifle. Well, let me tell you about rifles. They are age appropriate. You, you, uh, no matter how much I want to give it to him, you have to wait till they reach a place. Now, in my family, growing up, the day you turn 12, you got your first rifle. My uncle brought me a fancy Winchester on my 12th birthday because that's just a tradition. You, the boy gets his first rifle at 12. I don't think it should be age appropriate, I think it should be maturity appropriate. I've been hunting with 40 year old men I wouldn't go back with. I'm serious, they'll turn around, swing the barrel of the gun, they don't know not to point a gun at you. But I drilled my son and I, I wanted to, I couldn't wait to give him his first rifle, me and him go hunting together. On my office wall in my office is a rack, gun rack, and it's the firsts. His first BB gun, first Daisy Red Rider, first little single shot rifle, and his first big boy rifle. And uh, you know, I knew I couldn't just, you can't give people a rifle at a certain age. I knew that 18 months was a little young, can I get a witness? No matter how much I love him, I want to give it to him. So at four years old, he got his first rifle with the understanding that he could never use it unless I was there. By the time, and my son is a 25 year old boy. No, no. He's a 55 year old man in a 25 year old body. He's much more material. His, His mom will tell you, he's more material than you are now. And he was always very mature, so I had no trouble. By the time he was 16, I could hand him a rifle. He'd go out in the woods by himself, never, never bothered. On the day he turned 16, I took the truck keys, threw them to him and said, hey, go have fun, bud. People said they're nervous about their child driving. I never, it never crossed my mind. I never worried about him one bit. It's not because he was 16 years old. It's because he was mature enough to handle it. Now, I know 16-year-olds, I wouldn't throw the keys to my truck to. I wouldn't hand him my walking stick. Because three things would happen. They'd hurt themselves. They'd hurt somebody. They'd bring it back broke. It's not chronological with the father. You, you can be 90 years old and be in diapers. Yeah. I've known a few during my days. I'm, gonna get, I'm fixing to leave anyway. I've known a few during my days. These dear, sweet, older ladies in the church. I swear, they. Say, one day I won't be here longer. And I think, why do you keep telling us that? I'll have a robe and a crown. I think robe and a crown? You get to heaven, they're going to hand you a pack of adult diapers is what they're going to do and a giant pacifier and he's going to tell Gable to burp you once and for all is what's going to happen. No, they don't drink beer. All right. I wish they would. They might loosen up a little bit. The issue is they could not shut their mouths to save their lives. I'm not preaching to you. I'm just talking. All right. You got to grow up though. Let me tell you what a father's heart is you have no idea what he'd love to give you. Oh, I need to throw this in too. This is going to sound ugly, but I got to throw it in. Unlike, thank God for great public school teachers. Can I get a witness? They're the heroes. A lot of them are trying to do right. I think we have erred somewhat in the last few years in our public school system and that you should not be promoted till you earn it. I just throw that in. I just want to say this. My father's not like that. You don't get 4th E. Grady till you pass material in the thirty Grady. You are not going to be allowed to pull down the principalities and powers over this city till you can keep your dishes clean. Boys, you are not going to be given the big stuff till you can keep your yard mowed. All I heard was female amens there. I've had women, they're going to pastor, I'm going to pull down the powers of darkness over this city and said, and I said, you can't even quit fussing at your husband. That was the melee man's. Where's the melee amens? <laughs> do you understand, are you hearing what he's saying? I would love to bless you, but you got to pass the little tests first. All right, I have these cards all over. This happened to be the one that was up today on my truck. I want you to listen to the heart of God. Oh, that my sons would listen to me and do what I say. I would crush their enemies, feed them with the finest wheat, and satisfy them with the sweetest honey. What do you hear right there? Do you hear an angry God saying, you better do what I say? I hear a father saying, son, when you mature, you have no idea what I'll do for you, but you've got to reach this level before I can do it. So I want to do that. That's the father's heart to care for us like that. righty. Now I want to close by saying again, I want to just mention, I wasn't preaching this morning. I'm just telling you what's going on with me. You said, well, pray for me. You don't need to pray for me. I need to do what he says and he'll make it happen. Right. But I will throw this in. If that help you, God bless you. Help yourself with it. Lord Jesus, we love you today. I want to go back to communion and say thank you. Thank you for the precious blood of the lamb. Anybody in this room that doubts there is a God. Let them look at the cross and say, nobody else would do that. Anybody in this room that doubts he knows my name, let them stare straight at the cross and say he knows me. Anybody in this room that ever thinks they need to worry about anything, let them look at the cross and see what you did there and know the truth of Romans 3, 8, He gave his son for you. Will he not give you everything else? I want to praise you and thank you. If you will do that to your son for me, you'll pay my power bill. You'll provide for me. You'll give me friends. You'll settle my soul. And you'll put your joy in my life. I want to praise you and thank you. You've already given us the best you've got. Thank you that you'll give us everything else. Well, Lord Jesus, I just want to tell you, I'm having this is one of the best things me and you've ever done together is to walk through this putting away and putting on stuff. And I praise you and thank you, Lord Jesus. I pastor a giant church. I'm on the internet. I know Greek but I really look forward to the day to where I can keep my mouth shut. I can be an encourager only. I just thank you for always taking us on no matter where we're at. And Lord Jesus, if this helped anybody and they can apply it to their lives, thank you that this is universal out of your word. I give you all the praise and glory. One more thank you for being so good to us. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray, amen.